The ingredients for this Mardi Gras celebration episode are revelry, rhythm, and rock. I'm Andy Anderson, the mischievous maestro, and we're mixing up the perfect combination. Though Mardi Gras technically refers to only Fat Tuesday, the Mardi Gras season actually begins on Epiphany, a Christian holiday celebrated on January the 6th that is also known as Three Kings Day or the 12th day of Christmas, and sometimes you even hear it called Twelfth Night. In Brazil and many other countries, this period between Epiphany and Fat Tuesday is known as Carnival. Whichever name you prefer to use, the revelries of Mardi Gras last until Ash Wednesday ushers in the 40 days of Lent. A side note, king cake is a traditional cake eaten on January the 6th to start the carnival season. The cake is also called a three kings cake. The cakes are then consumed en masse during the carnival season. Still curious what a king cake tastes like? Well, it's basically a giant cinnamon roll in drag. A popular theory says that Mardi Gras' origins lie in ancient pagan celebrations of spring and fertility. Some experts contend, however, that Mardi Gras-type festivities popped up solely as a result of the Catholic Church's discouragement of sex and meat during Lent. Mardi Gras is believed to have arrived in North America on March the 3rd, 1699, when the French-Canadian explorer Pierre de Iberville camped about 60 miles downriver from the future site of New Orleans. Knowing it was Fat Tuesday back in France, de Iberville named the spot Mardi Gras Point and held a small party. A few years later, French soldiers and settlers feasted and wore masks as part of Mardi Gras festivities in the newly founded city of Mobile in present-day Alabama. To this day, Mobile claims to have the oldest annual Mardi Gras celebration in the United States. Now, before I start a fight between all of my friends in New Orleans and all of my friends in Mobile, let's have a drink. So, for this episode, our drink is the classic Mardi Gras cocktail, a hurricane. The creation of the hurricane is credited to New Orleans tavern owner Pat O'Brien. The bar allegedly started as a speakeasy called Mr. O'Brien's Club Tipperary, and the password, if you wanted to get in the door, was Storms Bruin. In the 1940s, he needed to create a new drink to help him get rid of all of the less popular rum that had local distributors had forced him to buy before they would allow him to buy a few cases of the more popular liquors such as scotch, vodka, and other whiskeys. One evening, he poured the concoction into hurricane lamp-shaded glasses and gave it away to sailors for free. The drink caught on quickly, and it has been a mainstay in the French Quarter ever since. So here's what you're going to need. You need rum, lots of rum, light rum, dark rum, and 151 rum, which is also sometimes called double-proofed. So here you go. To make the drink, In a cocktail shaker, add some ice, one ounce of white rum, one ounce dark rum, a quarter ounce of 151 rum, 
Now, my friends, I know a quarter ounce doesn't sound like much, but it packs a punch. To all of your rum, you now add one and a half ounce of orange juice. One and a half ounce of pineapple juice. One and a half ounce of cranberry juice. And a half ounce of grenadine. Put the lid on your shaker. Give it a good shake because you want to kind of froth the juices. So now take the lid off the shaker and pour the entire contents, ice and all, into your glass. Garnish with lemon, lime, cherry, orange slice, whatever you got. Put a straw in it and enjoy. Now, my friends, here's the mischievous maestro disclaimer. Drink this drink responsibly. I've seen even the most experienced partiers go from okay to oh shit in a very short amount of time with this cocktail. It's definitely a Cat 5 cocktail. So here we are, my friends. And how's that hurricane treating you? New Orleans was a city of music and dancing long before Mardi Gras became Mardi Gras as we know it. There is now, and always has been, a need to celebrate every event. The good, the bad, the big, and the small. Carnival became more organized during the 19th century. It was then that the first societies and crews began to develop. These groups of upper-class citizens began structuring their balls to include queens and kings and royal courts. Dance maintained a prominent position in these balls. Everything from the royal entrance to the promenade to the waltz was done with a heavy dancing rhythm. People loved to dance, and because of this, musicians were always in high demand. The waltz, accompanied by classical orchestras and big bands, became the most favored dance among the elite of carnival during the mid to late 19th century. But for those celebrating outside of the ballroom, there was another music form brewing in the Mardi Gras world. Not everyone could afford to attend a fancy ball during Mardi Gras, but that did not stop people from enjoying the season. During the late 1800s, before jazz surfaced as a genre, the music of Mardi Gras gathered influences from the sounds of the Caribbean, Africa, France, and Spain, all while incorporating Native American chanting. Brass horn musicians dominated the lower-class music market, and several brass bands arose during that time. Many brass bands formed their own societies, crews, and clubs, and they would use their earnings as a crew to help fund members during times of need, helping with everything from medical bills to funeral costs. 
After some time, many of the wealthier parading crews began to seek brass bands to play during their parades, realizing that the fusion between percussion-driven African folk music and the horn-heavy military sound was exactly what the parade goers wanted to hear. Brass music played a huge role in the development of the city's most renowned genre, jazz. And while famous musicians like Louis Armstrong made jazz a popular part of Mardi Gras, it isn't the most common genre heard during the season. Introduced to parades by the Zulu Club in the very early 1900s, by the way, Zulu is my favorite of the parades in New Orleans during Mardi Gras, second-line music, along with brass music, rhythm and blues, and zydeco, became the leading sounds of carnival. During that same era, the mysterious marching crew known as the Mardi Gras Indians put a pretty large stamp on carnival season. They were known for creating and influencing several favorites like Giacomo by Sugar Boy Crawford. The Mardi Gras Indians started their journey in the late 1800s and pulled much of their influence from their Native American comrades. Whether they were the wild Chapatulas or the wild Magnolia, the music of the Mardi Gras Indians represents strength and long-rooted tradition and is as vital a part of Mardi Gras music history as the music of the brass bands. Side note. You heard me say something about second line, but you don't know what a second line is. Well, let me tell you. It usually contains a brass band, and it's usually in a jazz funeral procession. It's slow and solemn, and it's a strolling kind of march up to the cemetery, normally with the hymns, Nearer My God to Thee, and Just a Closer Walk with Thee. And then after the person is buried, it becomes a celebration usually ending somewhere in there with when the saints go marching in. The second line refers to the people following the family of the deceased and the band. They are celebrating that the person who has passed is going to a better life. Of course, you can strike up a second line at any event you want. It doesn't have to be a funeral. I've seen second lines at weddings, birthday parties, Super Bowl celebrations, one in particular, and last day of school celebrations. And of course, what happens if you are in New Orleans and you happen to walk upon a second line in progress? Well, out of respect of the deceased, you grab a handkerchief and you join in the celebration. Because after all, you might be next. With so much history and way too many songs to list, the music of Carnival is one of the best parts of New Orleans culture. Other cities may hold the title of having the first Mardi Gras, but none can compare to the elaborate music and celebration that New Orleans has created. Since the mid to late 
20th century, school marching bands have become the biggest source of music during parades. In many of the city's most famous brass bands started their journeys marching in Mardi Gras parades. Artists from Professor Longhair to The Meters to Dr. John. Everyone has their favorite carnival song and genre. If you like to waltz, groove, second line, or two-step, there will always be a carnival song to show you how to, quote, let the good times roll. Here's a short list of four of the most popular Mardi Gras songs that absolutely must be on your Mardi Gras playlist. The first one, Carnival Time by Al Johnson. Al Johnson's Carnival Time hit the streets of New Orleans just in time for Mardi Gras in 1960. And while it didn't catch on at first, today it's a standard. A sample of the lyrics. Claiborne Street is a rockin' from a one side to the other. The joints are jammin', packin', and I'm about to smother, all because it's carnival time. The second song that you need to add to your playlist is Go to the Mardi Gras by Professor Longhair. Go to the Mardi Gras was first recorded in 1949 by Roy Baldhead Bird, also known as Professor Longhair. Let's just stop there for a second. I think this is hilarious. His nickname was Baldhead, but he went by Professor Longhair. Okay, anyway, the definitive version was recorded in 1959 and some say it's the most popular carnival record ever made. Fats Domino also recorded it in 1956. A sample of the lyrics? While you stroll in New Orleans, you ought to go see the Mardi Gras. If you go to New Orleans, you ought to go see the Mardi Gras. And when you see the Mardi Gras, somebody will finally tell you what carnival's for. The third song on the list is Mardi Gras Mambo by the Hawkettes. This is really cool. The Hawkettes were a popular high school R&B band. Their members were only 16 and 17 years old, and they recorded only one single, but it was a good one. Mardi Gras Mambo was released on the Chess label in 1954, and it was an immediate hit. In 1976, it was recorded by the Meters, led by Art Neville, who had also been a member of the Hawkettes. And of course, Art Neville, if you recognize that last name, was a member of one of New Orleans' most famous musical families. A sample of the lyrics? These are famous, you know this one. Down in New Orleans where the blues were born, it takes a cool cat to blow a horn. On LaSalle and Rampart Street, the combo's there with a mambo beat. Down in New Orleans where the blues were born, it takes a cool cat to blow a horn. 
combos play with the mambo beat the mighty grand mambo The fourth song that you should have on your playlist is Giacomo by Sugarboy Crawford and the Cane Cutters. Recorded by James Sugarboy Crawford in 1954, Giacomo was a popular hit. In 1964, it was recorded by the Dixie Cups under the title Ico Ico. In 1983, in an interview, Crawford said, quote, When I was growing up, I lived near the battlefield where the Indians paraded on Mardi Gras Day. And when the tribes ran up on each other, they shouted Giacomo Finane, and they would also shout Ico Ico. I didn't have in mind to do a carnival record. I just wanted to record a good song. And of course, it's one of the most famous Mardi Gras songs in the world, so I think he recorded a pretty darn good song. My grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. My grandma told your grandma, I'm gonna set your flag on fire. You're talking about hey now, hey now, hey now. I go, I go one day. Jagamo fino, anane. Jagamo finane. And my friends, are you wondering who the Mardi Gras Indians are? The Mardi Gras Indians, also known as the Black Masking Indians, are black carnival revelers in New Orleans who dress up for Mardi Gras in suits influenced by Native American ceremonial apparel. Collectively, their organizations are called tribes, and there are about 38 tribes which range in size from half a dozen to several dozen members. And are you also wondering what Giacomo Finane means? Well, it's a ritual chant used by the Mardi Gras Indians, which has been around for so long the words are no longer clearly distinguishable, and it has a very well understood meaning of its own. Very, very loosely translated, it means, quote, we mean business, or, quote, don't mess with us. And my friends, a bonus song that you should definitely add to your Mardi Gras playlist. The official song of Mardi Gras in New Orleans, as adopted by Rex, the king of carnival in 1872, is If Ever I Cease to Love by George Laybourne. This song is played for Rex before the parade starts every year. I'm going to read you the words because I think they're actually really kind of cool. In a house, in a square, in a quadrant, in a street, in a lane, in a road, turn to the left on the right hand. You see there my true love's abode. I go there according and cooing my love like a dove and swearing on my bended knee if ever I cease to love. May shepherds grow on apple trees if ever I cease to love, and may fish get legs and cows lay eggs if ever I cease to love. May dogs wag their tails in front if ever I cease to love, and may we all turn into cats and dogs if ever I cease to love.
So my friends, how are we doing? Come on, it's Mardi Gras. I know you're doing good. I don't know about you, though, but my, my hurricane's gone. It blew right away. So, because it is Mardi Gras, and I am the mischievous maestro, I'm going to give you a second drink for the Mardi Gras special. So my friends, the Mardi Gras mash. This is not an official drink of New Orleans. It is, however, an official drink of the mischievous maestro during Mardi Gras. It's very simple but delicious. But again, watch out. This one will get you. Basically, put some ice in a glass. Add two ounces or a shot or, if you're like me, a little heavy-handed, a little more than that, of Jack Daniels. And top it with Hawaiian punch. Stir it up and enjoy. Also, as a side note, it makes a really yummy daiquiri. So now that we've got our Mardi Gras mash, let's talk a little bit about the parades themselves. When you're at the parades, there is so much to see and do. You, of course, will have your drink in hand and extras in the cooler at your feet. It's New Orleans, after all, and you can do that. There's the music and dancing, even before the parade gets to you. And did I mention food? Carnival food of all kinds, red beans and rice, fried alligator on a stick, corn dogs, and barbecue, just to name a little bit. And of course, if you're lucky enough to be standing close to a Popeye's fried chicken, well, then you're one of the blessed ones that day. And then the parade gets to you. And the energy in the crowd explodes, the volume becomes top decibel, and the skies around you fill with treasures of all kinds. What to look out for when a Mardi Gras parade passes you by? Well, think stuffed animals and foam footballs, LED-lit tambourines and tiaras, plastic swords and trumpets. Imagine fedoras and wizard hats, light-up bouncy disco balls, hula hoops, lightsabers, and frisbees. Picture koozies, rubber duckies, garters, fuzzy socks, rubber chickens, moon pies, pedicure kits, bottle openers, and bamboo spears. In short, more random crap than you've ever laid eyes on. But the most treasured of all the Mardi Gras throws come from these parades. My favorite parade, Zulu, and their most treasured throw is the coconut. Let me say that again. Their most treasured throw is a coconut, hand-painted. Now, once upon a time, before 1986, they were thrown from the floats, but after a few lawsuits and a couple people with cracked skulls, they're now just handed down to the crowd. But if you're lucky enough at Zulu to get a coconut, that is a prized possession. The mystic crew of Nyx was named for the Greek goddess of the night. And it's a relatively new crew from starting around 2012. And it's since exploded in size and popularity, registering about 3,400 riders. And some of the season's hottest throws. Some of Nick's novelties include striped leg warmers, lipstick cases, yo-yos, pool noodles, bracelets, and magnets. But the most beloved of their throws are beautiful, bespangled purses. Another really fun parade is the Tux Parade. Tux, T-U-C-K-S not T-U-X. Since 1969, the Tux is pretty irreverent, potty-humored crew. Their king, for instance, rides on a giant toilet throne. 
And they have celebrated all things booze, bod, and bathroom, throwing the likes of colored toilet paper, soap on a rope, flashing poo emoji rings. But the most sought after are their gilded toilet plungers and brushes, an instant upgrade to any bathroom. Iris, the parade of Iris, the city's oldest all-female crew, which was organized in 1917, is named for the Greek goddess of the rainbow. Iris boasts Carnival's largest number of riders, right at 3,600, with girly giveaways galore like sleeping masks, tutus, and flowered headbands. But keep your eyes peeled for their piste de resistance, their glitzy, gussied-up sunglasses. And don't forget about the beads. They used to be glass, so they didn't throw very well. Now they're plastic. Also, as a pro tip, I will say this, my friends. Once a float has passed you, don't take your eyes off of it, because the guys riding in the back of the float will get you when you are least expecting it. I was once hit on the side of the head by a box of Little Debbie oatmeal cream pies. After the swelling went down, I enjoyed eating that whole damn box, and it turns out they go great with a daiquiri. Side note, the official colors of Mardi Gras were selected in 1872 by the King of Rex, one of New Orleans' most famous parades. The colors are purple, green, and gold. And if you're wondering if the colors have a significant meaning, you bet they do. Purple represents justice, green represents faith, and gold represents power. So my friends, here we are. It's Mardi Gras, and I hope you are celebrating accordingly. And even though the parades have been canceled in New Orleans this year, it doesn't mean the spirit of the holiday is canceled. After all, we have to party hard so we have a reason to be good during Lent. Here in New York City, myself and the Mischievous Maestro team are going to do it upright. We're going to eat some good New Orleans-style cooking. You can be sure the drinks will be flowing, music will be playing, and no doubt, toes will be tapping. So from our party to yours, remember to be safe, be smart, and have fun. And one more pro tip, when you hear the sounds of carnival, feel free to let loose and let your mind be free. Now that the holidays are over, and thank God we all survived 2020, it's time to turn our sights to season two of The Mischievous Maestro. Join us starting Friday, March the 5th, as we have fun talking about the bad boys and the bad girls of opera. You don't want to miss a single episode. Make sure to keep an eye on our social media platforms for upcoming teasers and sneak peeks. Continue to stay safe, my friends, and as always, stay thirsty for knowledge.
The Mischievous Maestro podcast was researched and written by me, Andy Anderson. Recording engineer and co-producer is Ryan Hall. Art director and co-producer is Jefferson Reidenauer. Very personal assistant to the Mischievous Maestro and co-producer is Megan King. Production assistant, co-producer, and all-around great guy is Yvonne Kahn. Publicist for Andy Anderson is Jonathan Blaylock. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite platform to get all of the upcoming episodes with exciting drinks. To learn more about The Mischievous Maestro and for the drink recipes, don't forget to visit our website, themischievousmaestro.com, and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Mischievous Maestro is so much more than a podcast, it's a lifestyle. And I would like to remind you to please drink responsibly. If you're not old enough, don't do it. And if you are old enough, do it in moderation. And if you're having a bad day and refuse to drink in moderation, then please follow these simple rules for overindulgence. Don't drink and drive. Please don't drink too much and then email your boss asking for a raise. And please, for all that's holy in the world, don't drink too much and then drunk text your ex at 3 a.m. This podcast is the sole property of the mischievous maestro and may not be used in whole or in any part without the expressed written permission of Andy Anderson.